Hello, welcome everybody to another online service from Stapleford Baptist Church. We're trying to live stream and get things working and we hope that you can hear it and you can see it uh, and you can join in with what we're doing this morning. It's an opportunity for us to praise God again as we sing our songs, an opportunity to hear from his word, which is so important, isn't it? Um, and also um, this particular week coming uh, is uh, Sally's last week of employment in Stableford Baptist Church. She's worked for the church for a very long time and done a fantastic job. And she's going to keep working, but we're not going to pay her anymore because uh, she's decided that she uh, she can do it without the money from now on. So we, we're really thankful to God for Sally. She's been great. She's uh, done lots of things for us, especially over this last year. Um, I'm sure she's been in touch with you. Um, whoever you are at some point uh, in some way shape or form she's been a real encouragement to us and we want to say thank you to her we want to say thank you to God for her and for each other and there's an opportunity for us just to, to sing and, and praise God together and thank him for his goodness to us we'll do what we normally do we'll have some some songs and some reading uh, and then we're looking at the last part of 1 Peter this morning together that's the uh, we're finishing that letter together this morning. We've been looking at it in life groups, and we're looking at it again together. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to uh, we're going to sing together to praise God. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we do thank you for all that you've been doing over this last year, and all that you are doing now. And although we may feel constrained, um, and we may feel that we can't do the, some of the things that we want to. And we thank you that we have been free still to worship you, to lift up your name, to meet with you we thank you that you're not constrained by a lockdown in any way shape or form that our relationship with you is 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 anywhere and and, and everywhere we could be locked up in a prison and we can still know you we can look to you and we can trust you and a lot of us have been locked up in our homes and yet we've still got that access to you and we thank you lord that you have still made yourself known to us and we pray that you would continue to do that this morning as we worship you and sing uh, songs of joy in our hearts. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Okay, I'll see you soon. God bless. Well, the reading this morning is taken from the Bible book of 1 Peter. Uh, as you know, we've been reading it for a while, and we've got to the final chapter, chapter 5. So if you've got a Bible handy, that would be good to open it, or maybe you've got a... Uh, mobile phone with a Bible on it, whatever. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 5. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing uh, dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, 
looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So I've entitled this sermon, Look to the Shepherd for Protection from the Lion. Look to the Shepherd for Protection from the Lion. We thought last week about the Lord as the Shepherd, Psalm 23. We were thinking about that a little bit as we were looking at that passage in 1 Peter 4. He's the one who wants us to rest in him, who wants to restore us or, or refresh our souls who leads us in right paths and wants us to know and live in his real presence. We were thinking about that as part of last week's sermon. And this passage before us today, chapter 5 of 1 Peter, uses this shepherd imagery again to help us to understand how the community of the church operates, how it functions. Now, we need organisation in the church. It needs to be thought through and we need to think about what we do and how we do it. That's important. I was preaching just a few weeks ago on Acts chapter 14 over at Aspley and this point came up. Paul and Barnabas have gone through different towns and cities on the first missionary journey and then they get to a certain point where the most natural thing would just be to head back to the port, get on a boat and, and go home, back to Antioch. But they don't do that. They turn round and they go to all the places that they've already been to. They go back to the churches. And you might think, well, yeah, well, that's a good thing, isn't it? And it is a good thing. But when you think of what's happened when they were at those places, they were threatened to be stoned. In one place, Paul was stoned. So it's not straightforward thinking they went back for a reason. In fact, they went back for three reasons. One, they went back to encourage. That's what it says in the end of Acts 14. Two, they went back to strengthen. And three, they went back to a point elders they wanted to appoint elders because the church needs leadership and we see this here you know the church would never have survived if it hadn't have got organized if it hadn't have thought through what it does and why it does it paul and barnabas knew that they could not be in every church that was physically impossible once they've set up more than one they, they can't do it but they knew that God was in every church. And they knew that if they appointed elders and they went and encouraged them and strengthened them in the Lord, then the elders could do that for the flock. They could encourage them and strengthen them in the Lord. And Peter shows us here that under the elders, a church needs two key things to function as a community. Two key things to function as a community. Care 
and humility. And we're going to think about those in verse 7. Care and humility. Verses 1 to 7, sorry. So we see in verse 1 that Peter himself is an elder. He writes to other elders. Sorry, let's get rid of that. He writes to other elders. He says, verse 2, Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. The flock are under the elders' care. Elders need to be watching over them, eager to serve them, not because they must, but because they are willing. Or verse 3, you could say, as examples, not as slave drivers. You know, God wants his church to be cared for. And as the great shepherd, he appoints under-shepherds to care for his flock. So with the flock, it does not desire that, that everyone just goes their own way and does their own thing. But as a group, they come together as his people, as a community, working together, pulling in the same direction, encouraging each other, strengthening each other and helping each other in their walk with him. I don't know if you've enjoyed this book. Uh, I don't know how much you've used it in your life group. I know we've been trying to use it alongside the sermons that we've been doing as well. In our life group, we've pretty much used it week in and week out. Most of the questions that have come up, we've been thinking about and asking. You might not have done that. You, you didn't have to do that. But it struck me this week. Uh, I was looking at this and, uh, and there was one particular question that came up. And I, and I really like the way it was put. Now, it's a typical question in this book and in this series of books, actually. I found them quite helpful. But there's, also, there's often a, a long statement before we actually get to the question. So we have to read it two or three times so people know what we're saying. But this was the question. I just want to read it to you. And it's got that statement first. It says, the society these Christians were living in had a strict hierarchy. The important people expected to be served and honoured by those below them. In the social pecking order? That's the statement. Here's the question. In what ways was this hierarchy broken down within the church? And the thing I love about that question is it doesn't say in what ways did the church try and break down that hierarchy. But looking at this passage in 1 Peter 5, it says in what ways was this hierarchy broken down within the church because the church isn't about important people and non-important people it's about God's people that's the point isn't it do you see how Peter has learnt from the master here in these verses you know I wonder if when writing this particular chapter he had in mind some of those conversations that disciples had when they didn't think Jesus was listening about who was the greatest Mark chapter 9, for example, verse 33, they, they came to Capernaum. When Jesus was in the, in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they'd argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first among you must be the very last and the servant of all. You see, Jesus always challenged self promotion through leadership didn't he and Peter had to learn that lesson and what we see here in chapter 5 is that he did 
He did learn the lesson. He is the one writing about caring for the flock. You know, if he never had that incident in his mind when he was writing this chapter, maybe he had another incident, something else that had happened to him, another experience with Jesus when he was on the beach shearing breakfast after the resurrection. John 21, Jesus says to Peter, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Peter has been commissioned by the Lord Jesus to feed and take care of the sheep. And so he says here to other under-shepherds, verse 3, not lording it over them, but being examples to the flock. You see, leadership in the church in any area, not just elders, but in any area, leadership in the church is about being an example to those that we lead and we see in verse 4 that, that that service will be rewarded. The chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus himself, will reward those who have learnt this lesson. Serve others rather than lord it over them. Because ultimately Jesus is the supreme example of that, isn't he? And then we also see the flip side of that. The response which is submission to the elders. If there are those who lead, then people need to follow. The flock need to follow. Now, as Peter's warning here, you know, the, the, the leaders need to have the best interest of the flock at heart, of course. And this shepherd imagery is actually quite helpful, isn't it? When we think of how Jesus talked about being the good shepherd. And the difference between the shepherd and the hired hand. In John 10, verses 10 to 13, Jesus said, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Peter calls elders shepherds, not hired hands. What's the difference? Care. That's the difference, isn't it? When trouble comes, the shepherds care. The hired hands run. We can and should submit to those that we think have our best interests at heart. The church is not the world. To lead in it means service, not power. 
And then what Peter does is he brings everybody together. You see this in verse 5 or verse 5b. He talks about the leaders and he talks about those who are being led. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Now this is how community works, especially church community. This is how it has to work. The greatest example of humility and self-giving love is actually the foundation of the church, isn't it? It's the Lord Jesus giving himself, giving his life as the good shepherd for the sheep. We'll remember that this coming week, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. We'll remember his death and then that glorious resurrection. Jesus giving himself, the foundation of the church, the cornerstone, the rock, is the one who gave himself in humility for others to establish that community of humility. And Peter says, humble yourselves within the church, within the church community. Humble yourselves. Don't be thinking about yourself always, your rights, your desires. But be outward looking. Don't seek self-promotion or, or show off. Because God, as it says here, opposes the proud, but shows favour to the humble. Verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. We entrust ourselves to him, the good shepherd. You see, Peter as an under-shepherd is doing what, what he wants all good under-shepherds to do. is pointing people to the chief shepherd. You see it very clearly in verse 7. He is the ultimate carer, the chief shepherd. And when we're anxious, we should give it to him. Because he cares. We care because he cares. Care and humility. Secondly, as part of this community of care and humility, we need to help each other to resist the devil. Verses 8 and 9. Resist the devil. As we've had this image of a, of a shepherd who cares, who has the best interests of the sheep at heart, we now get the opposite image, don't we? Of the one who would destroy, who would tear down, who would attack. The devil is like a, a roaring lion. He prowls around looking for someone to devour. He seeks to separate from the community. You know, I'm sure you've seen the nature programs where the lions pick off from the herd, don't they? You see a lion chasing a, a herd of zebras, maybe. And they wait for one to get tired and weaker and fall behind. And then they separate it from the flock, hunt it down and devour it. I mean, it's not a very nice thing to see, is it? And that prowling, you know, that idea of prowling. You think of a, of a lion prowling. It's a sort of, it's a slow, methodical, thought out, patient thing. You know, the devil wants to destroy your faith and he will be patient about it. It doesn't matter if it happens today or in 30 years time. He, that's what he wants. He wants to bring you down. He wants to stop you trusting in Jesus. He prowls patiently. 
which is why we need to continually be looking to the shepherd because he will protect us if we're casting our anxiety on him coming to the one who cares for us he will protect us if we're turning to him and trusting him in different situations he will protect us and never forget the shepherd is bigger than the lion he's more powerful than the lion and he has our best interests at heart for he cares for us and the devil only wants to devour to destroy and then we see what happens here is peter gives us three things to help us doesn't he three things to help us resist the devil number one he says be alert and sober-minded what we've thought about this before because it came up in chapter 1 verse 13 came up last week in chapter 4 and verse 7 these words again be alert and sober-minded not giving into temptation to be molded by the world around us but keeping our minds spiritually active alive in christ second thing we need to stand firm in the faith or keep standing firm in the faith keep meeting and being fed spiritually keep reading the word of god and coming into his presence as we were thinking about last week and as he says here casting our anxiety onto him not carrying it ourselves and then thirdly he says remember you are not alone remember you're not alone you know the devil seeks to separate isolate and devour you think of the lion following that zebra he seeks to separate isolate and devour the weak zebra falls off the pack the lion is there and then once it's isolated he devours it you imagine what would happen let's say there's 50 zebra running and a lion is chasing them waiting for the weak one and the weak one falls off the back and the, de the, the lion sees his, his chance and he goes and he's just about to pounce on the zebra and all of the others turn around and they stop and they start running towards the lion I mean that's not going to happen <laughs> that's nature that's not going to happen is it but that's what can happen in the church we gather around and we protect those who are weak when we see the devil attacking we pray and we come and we care and we comfort always remember the caring shepherd protects from the prowling lion and then finally the final two points verses 10 to 13 restoration and encouragement restoration and encouragement first of all restoration we see in verse 10 uh, that the, the three main themes of the book all come together in this verse you see that you want to look at it with me pick up your bible 1 peter chapter 5 verse 10 the god of grace who called us our identity remember who we are in him it's the main theme number one secondly he called us into his eternal glory in christ main theme number two we have that future hope we look forward to that eternity with him and then third theme number three after you have suffered a little or little while 
the reality of suffering for Jesus. Those three main themes of the book, Peter brings them together here, right towards the end, and he says, will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. After we suffer a little while, that eternal hope will be realized. You know, one of the promises of Scripture right here, we see it, his, he is in it for the long haul. He will be with the caring shepherd is more patient than the prowling lion. You know, James chapter, I think it's James 4, 7, James 5, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will go, he will be gone. And God, with his work of restoration in you, is more patient than the devil. And God wants to restore. I, I don't know if you've seen the repair shop, um, which is on at the minute. I think it's on Wednesday nights or something. I think it's a great program. I, I love it. <laughs> and we'd sit there and we watch it and different people bring different things in to be repaired. And they're all old and they're all battered. I was watching it, I think, two weeks ago. And this guy brings in, he brings in a wallet. Um, not, not like this one. Um, it, you wouldn't be able to put anything in it. It would have just fallen out the bottom. It was... It seemed to me like it was good for throwing away and that was it. But the, the problem is it's got sentimental value as all the things do on the show. That's the point. Something from the past is brought in. It's got sentimental value. They give it to the team and they restore it. And Susie, the leather expert, gets hold of this thing and she can work wonders. And she, she just slowly but surely takes it apart. She takes all the stitching out. She gets this particular fluid that sort of restores the, the leather and starts to bring it back to life. She puts some new insides in it. She gets some new stitching. She puts it all back together. And then she gives him it back at the end of the show. And this guy's either crying or very, very thankful or, or whatever it is however it goes but she's been able to take something that looks like it was just it should have been thrown away and give it new life and you know the church is like god's repair shop he will restore we may have to go through a painful process at times as he works on us and he will use different people you know sometimes in the program when they need something doing and it's not their area of expertise and so they take it to somebody else and they say, you know, can you do this for me? Because they need help. God uses different people to restore us. We need each other. And he uses the people in the church to restore us. We may have to suffer for a little while, but he will restore. This verse says, make strong, firm and steadfast. Now, I do think that restoration here is a bit like salvation in the Bible and sanctification in the sense of the work starts now and it is a real work and it is happening and we can have confidence in that. But there will be a day when it is fully realized. There will be a day when we are fully restored. Now, I don't know about you, but the older I get, the less restored I feel. You know, some things that I used to be able to do without even thinking about it are very hard now. I forced myself this morning to get on my bike and to do some exercise because I know that it's good for me, but it's hard. When I was 17, I jumped on it without even thinking about it. I went all over the place on my bike. I don't feel like I'm being restored. But we need to understand what 
Peter means here. And I think Paul helps in this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 with these words. These are great words. He says, outwardly, we're wasting away. Yeah, sure, we are. But inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. God is restoring us. And you may be sat there with an ailing body, facing the challenges of old age. But actually, deep down, you know that you are being restored. Because God is witnessing to you by his spirit. Inwardly, you are being renewed day by day. And then the final thing, and I just want to end on this note really, is this word encouragement. It comes up in verse 12. And, and really this is sort of Peter's um, reason for writing. He says that, doesn't he? We're told about Silas. Silas is probably the one that actually wrote the letter down as Peter had been telling him what to write. And we see here, his reason for writing, encouraging you and, sorry, why is getting in my way, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. You know, this whole book has been written to encourage. That's why Peter writes. He thinks about these people in these different situations in the ancient world and he thinks, they, they need a letter. I need to write to them and tell them, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's a trial. It's hard going. But keep going because it's worth it. And I, you know, I pray that you are encouraged here in the true grace of God, as Peter talks about. That you look to him. That you trust him. That you live in his presence and are being faithful to him. That in this time, now, you are standing fast in that grace. That's why Peter wrote. His words are very relevant today, aren't they? Keep going. Keep fighting the good fight. Finish the race. Remember, the caring shepherd protects from the prowling lion we're going to sing again we're going to praise him and then after that a prayer will come up that we'll be able to join in and it's a, it's a nice thought that isn't it that we're all praying that prayer as we listen in our different homes but before that we're going to sing together rock of ages cleft for me god bless see you soon